Jesus, as he hangs on the cross, says seven words. Now, they're not all recorded in the same gospel. If we take all four gospels together, we count seven things Jesus says from the cross. And we're going to look at uh, each of these, or at least most of them. And last week, I hope you managed to catch it online, the words of forgiveness. The first thing Jesus says as he hangs there on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Then we come to the second thing that Jesus says on the cross, which is recorded here for us in Luke, when the the criminal turns to Jesus and, and says, please, will you have mercy on me? Remember me. And Jesus says, truly, verily, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. If the words of last week were about forgiveness, the word of this week, and I think very appropriately, is about hope. In lockdown, charities decided it would be good for us to get an allotment, which I'm not convinced, personally, because I managed to kill things, even cactuses, in small pots, and the prospect of managing to kill birds on a much vaster scale isn't one that (laughs) elicits much joy from me, but I'm slowly coming around to the idea. And when you're there on the allotment and you're seeing all the people creating cabbages and radishes and other things that, quite frankly, you don't really want, but you have to because you've grown them, uh, you see... (laughs) Around the edge, see these huge trees. Not so much on the allotment, but more around like the outside. Now, we're going to grow, or at least attempt to grow some tomatoes, and we're going to plant them, and hopefully in a few months we'll be able to eat them. And then some people, because they're there for a longer period of time, have planted these trees, these apple trees and pear trees. They take longer, as you know, in order to grow. And you look further out into the field and you see them, like, the heath laying out and then you see these big ones, I can see one as I'm saying this, like opposite. You see these oak trees. Now, for me, I want to plant something and I want to harvest it next week. Because if I can't eat it next week, literally, what is the point? Charity's got more patience than me, she's willing to wait a year. Some people have clearly got patience to wait five, six years for these fruit trees. But seriously, who plants an oak? Do you plant an oak? You never get to see it. I went to uni in Durham, and the most spectacular cathedral, I don't know how many of you have seen it, it is stunning. Bill Bryson, when he writes about the UK, he says, if I ever meet someone, I tell them, you have my car, just go and see Durham Cathedral, it is stunning. Who builds a cathedral? Who lays those foundations? You never get to see it. Your kids probably don't get to see it. Why is it that people build cathedrals? Why do people plant oak trees? Why do people have kids in the middle of a pandemic? It's because there's hope. It's because there's hope that whatever is going on today, there's going to be something to come in the future. That however dark the present might seem, there's always something to look forward to. That tomorrow can be different from today. There can be light in the darkness. There's hope so we will plant our oak trees. We will build the cathedrals, even if we don't see it. It's for our kids, or our grandkids, or our great grand. It's for the generations to come after, because today isn't the end of the story. Jesus hangs there between two thieves. I think it's less days. We don't know what they did. I mean, to be honest, in those days you didn't have to do a lot to get crucified. Maybe it was one of those bandits that, like, you know, the road to Samaria who beats that fellow up. Maybe they were like that. Maybe they were a bit more revolutionary and were those people who had, like, daggers hidden in their socks. Did they have socks? No, they had sandals. And they weren't Christians to wear both. So anyway, who hid the, 
It's a very in-joke um, thing niche. Anyway, for those people who kind of carried around daggers and, and would like subtly like, attack Roman soldiers when no one, maybe they were them. Maybe they just got on the wrong side of Herod. Maybe they just nicked something in the market one. We don't know, but they're two thieves, two bandits hanging either side of Jesus. And the first one, he turns to Jesus and he sneers. He joins in with the mocking. And he says, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. He joins in with the Roman soldiers mocking him. He heaps insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And I must admit, I have a bit of sympathy for him. If I was hanging there being crucified in the midst of all that pain, I would probably not have the highest esteem for Jesus, who's meant to be the one who can save all mankind hanging there with me. I think I'd probably say something similar. I think I'll probably lose heart. My question to you this morning is, what do you do when life is really tough? When it's difficult? When you've got to hang in there? When you feel like every breath is difficult? When you feel like every day is another slog? When it's difficult to wake up in the morning? When you feel it is dark? When you are hanging there? How do we treat Jesus? How do we turn to God? What language do we use to him? Do we mock him? Do we criticise Do we try and take control? Do we get angry? Do we get disappointed? I can relate to that thief. Piper calls it a carjack theology, which I quite like the image of. I'm not very good at cars, but there's a jack in the back of mine. And I do not love it. I do not care for it. I don't really know where it is most of the time. But let me tell you, once every couple of years... I make sure I know where it is. I ignore it until I get a puncture. And then suddenly it's the most important thing in the world. And I pull out the car jack, change the tyre, and as soon as the tyre's fixed, the jack goes. Thrown in the back, mucky, unloved, unnoticed, uncared for, until the next time I have a puncture. And Piper says this thief... He has a carjack theology, a carjack mentality. We wait for something to go wrong and then we turn to God. We turn to Jesus. Oh, save us, Jesus. Jesus, will you get us down from this cross? Jesus, will you help us out this time? And as soon as we find ourselves back on solid ground, Jesus can go. I'm told that after 9-11, there was a huge spike in church attendances in the USA. And within a few weeks, they'd gone back to war. A carjack theology of that thief who hangs there and says, Jesus, save me. Save yourself and then pull me down from the cross as well so I can get back to doing what I was doing previously. It's self-centred. Hopeless. But there is another thief. There's another thief that understands that not only is the present pain temporary, but that Jesus can meet him in his present pain. See, for the other thief who just wants it over as quick as possible, get me back to my life as it was, Jesus. Just get me back to doing whatever I was doing, banditing or whatever it was that he did day to day. Just get me down from the cross so I can carry on my life as normal. But the other thief understands something significant. Not just that Jesus can save him, but that Jesus can meet him in the pain. That is why we have stories of a God who works in lockdown. Not just that we want to get back to normality... I'm sure many of us do. Not just that we want to turn back the clock to April or March or February or whenever the last thing is felt, but things felt vaguely normal. 
But we have an understanding that Jesus can meet us, not just to save us from the pain, but to meet us in it. The other thief has a different mentality. The other thief doesn't feel that God is there to be mocked. The other thief says, don't you fear God? Don't you know your place? You and I are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. See, for the other thief, it wasn't just about temporary reprieve. It wasn't just about getting through this pain. It wasn't just about putting me back to normal so I could live my own life the way I want to live it. The other thief, it wasn't just about comfort. He understood that there was something bigger here. He understood that there was a kingdom that was worth buying into. Now I know he was desperate. I know that things were difficult. That in that situation, who amongst us wouldn't turn to Jesus and say, please remember me. Please help me. But Jesus gets Jesus listens. This guy gets Jesus' attention. Jesus, who is hanging there in equal amounts of agony, turns and he speaks to this guy. I want you to know that however you're feeling this morning, you are never far from getting Jesus' attention. The distance between you and God is all about your attitude. Both thieves are hung a couple of metres away from Jesus. They're, they're physically the same distance from him, but mentally they're miles apart. One of them wants to build his own little kingdom. He wants to be his bandit, building up a little empire over there. He just wants Jesus to help him get there. But this thief, this thief wants to be a part of what Jesus is doing. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This thief wants to be a part of what God's doing. Mentally, he is so much closer to God than the other one. I don't know what his history was. don't know how he ended up on the cross, as I say. don't know what crimes he committed. I like to think that he had opportunity. I like to think he was one of the 5,000 that got fed. I like to think he was one of the ones who was there for serving on the mount. I like to think that maybe he was one of the ones who heard rumours about Lazarus being raised from the dead. And he waits. And he puts it off. And he says, I'll get round to seeing Jesus one day. Get round to it one day. And as he hangs there on the cross, he turns and he sees that God has entered into the pain all along. He realises that God is breathing the same breath he is. That Jesus is experiencing every pain and anguish that he does as he looks across and he sees Jesus. And the thing he's kept putting off is now right in front of him. And he turns to Jesus and he says, remember me as you come into your kingdom. He gets Jesus' attention. Like all of us can do. And the things that we keep putting off and the times we keep putting God off. And in our desperation we turn to him and say, Jesus, remember me. Remember me. Remember me. And Jesus says, okay, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Our hope is built on nothing less. Not on our own ability, not on our own strength to do it. Clearly this bandit was a pretty useless revolutionary and we wouldn't have ended up on the cross in the first place. 
not in his own strength, but he tells Jesus and says, Jesus, just remember me. And Jesus says, yes. Because no matter how dark it appears, there is always hope. No matter how many times you've put Jesus off, no matter how many times you've left being fed with the 5,000 and saying, oh, we'll go follow him tomorrow. No matter how many times we've heard rumours of Lazarus being resurrected and good things happening and thought, to be honest, it's not really for me. There is still an opportunity, even as we feel we are hanging there on the cross, even at the end to turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, remember me. And the answer is still yes. It's in that moment of pain that we can recognise our need for God, as so many of us have found over the last few months. Jeremiah is a depressing prophet. His book is very depressing. He, ro- he wanders round the, the temple ruins where all this pain and disappointment has happened. And he says this, I remember my affliction and my wandering, my bitterness and my gall. I remember them well. My soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions, they never fail and are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Because we are never far from hope. No matter how dark it seems, we are never far from hope. We can always get Jesus' attention. That despite the darkness, there is always light. There's still oak trees to be planted. There's still cathedrals to be built. Let's pray. And then we're going to finish with a final, final video. God, we put our hope and our trust in you. We turn to you in our pain or our disappointment. We say, Jesus, won't you remember me as you come into your kingdom? We thank you that you promise us paradise. You promise us a better future. You promise us that tomorrow can be better than today. You promise us a resurrection. And even if the pain doesn't stop straight away, we thank you that you walk that journey with us. We're sorry for the times that we've tried to put you in a box and put our own demands on you. Instead, we want to surrender ourselves to your kingdom, to what you want to teach us, to where you want to take us. We want to follow you. Thank you that that is the way of life and love and hope. Amen. Amen. We're going to finish um, our service this morning with my favourite video of lockdown. I'm sure many of you have seen it possibly several times over. This is the blessing done by all of the different, uh, all of the different churches in the country. So we're going to finish, finish with this.